Hey Hainas fans, this episode might contain scenes that include violence and sensitive details, some of which are reenacted for an immersive audio experience. Sounds may seem like it's coming from the left, right, or behind you. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. They all had the same symptoms, dizziness and headaches, then loss of consciousness and convulsions, and finally, death. It would take the authorities three years, with 13 dead and dozens injured, before they would discover the Cyanide Witch of Vietnam. In mid-1997, a young lady by the name of Latan Van was released from prison. She had just served a four-year sentence for fraud. Most convicts after release experience stigma and difficulty in finding employment. Globally, one-third of ex-convicts do not find employment in the first four years after their release. This is why most convicts tend to feel nervous after their release. But Van wasn't like most convicts, because she knew exactly what she was going to do. Prior to her sentencing, on the 24th of October 1992, she was having dinner with Miss Boi Chung and her friends. The monsoon period in Vietnam lasts through October, which was the perfect weather for chicken pho, noodles in soup. <sighs> that was delicious, Van said to all her friends. Anyone else want seconds? I'll cook. Everyone raised their hands up eagerly. Van headed into the kitchen and brought out another four bowls for everyone. In the hours that followed, Miss Boi Chung and her friends felt dizziness so severe that they would be sent to the emergency room, where paramedics would have to stabilize Miss Boi Chung. I'll take care of you, Van said as she was visiting her friend. Do you need a cup of water? Miss Boi Chung took a sip. Days later, in the police station, an officer was reading an autopsy report of Miss Boi Chung, which concluded her cause of death as infections and toxic shock. He would then interview her family and hear accusations of how Le Tan Van cheated Miss Boi Chung of her money and poisoned her to death. Evidence would emerge revealing fraud, yet there would be insufficient evidence tying the toxicity report to Van. During the four years of prison served for fraud, Van realized the cyanide added in the chicken fur would be so difficult to detect that authorities would practically require a confession to link her to the case. In mid-1997, the young lady that was released would emerge as Vietnam's first reported female serial killer. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. Born on a stormy night on the 5th of December 1956 in Vietnam, Le Tan Van was the second child in a family of eight children, but a tragedy that befell her eldest brother left Van with the duties of the first child. As elder siblings in Asian cultures are expected to lead the family, 
Van grew to be strong, decisive, and cold. However, she developed an eccentric streak. After arguing with her parents, she would scold her younger siblings and beat the family's dogs and cats. From the 1st of November 1955, Vietnam was at war. This can have varying effects on children growing up. Typically for boys, it might normalize violence. And for girls, it might lead them to feel invisible. This may lead to hopelessness amongst the women who grew up at the time, and they might have to stop working towards an independent future for themselves. For Van, it looked like she could break the cycle by entering the dental department of the military medical school in 1975 at age 19. This was toward the end of the Vietnam War, when the United States military had pulled out, leaving Vietnam a communist country. It is unclear what brought on Van's spiral, but a month after the end of the war, her eccentricism brought her face-to-face with the communist regime. In May 1975, Van organized an illegal border crossing and was sentenced to 16 months in re-education. Three years after her release, she was then charged with impersonating an army captain. Van spent the next 10 years honing her skills in impersonation, having multiple run-ins with the authorities before walking into a chemical store in Tohian Tan Street, District 10, Ho Chi Minh City. In that store, she purchased the cyanide and began testing it in chicken noodles with Miss Boi Chung, successfully killing her without leaving a trace. It was the end of 1997 and Mr. Din Van Kong was visiting a family member in Military Hospital 7A in Ho Chi Minh City. (coughs) How are you feeling? He asked his relative. There was a lot weighing on his mind, from his ailing family member to his dental clinic. Vietnam was still in the early stages of developing their expertise in Western medical practices, including dentistry, and talent was hard to come by. Kam began pouring out his business troubles when he heard a voice from a bed beside him. Hey, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation, a pretty lady replied. I'm educated in dentistry. Kam turned to the pretty lady lying on the hospital bed next to his relative. As appealing as she was as a potential hire, he was skeptical, as a good dentist was hard to come by. That's nice to hear. Where were you educated at? He might have asked. In Germany. And if it helps, I speak seven languages. That day, Din Van Kam was overjoyed and immediately hired her to work in his family's Dai Kak Dental Clinic in Long Khan District, Dong Nai. I'm so glad I met you. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. But I'm Le Tan Van. Van was welcomed into Mr. Din Van Kam's life and family. It was also where she would meet her husband, Diu Dan Kuang, who was thought to be working in the clinic as well. Things were looking up, but it took a turn on the 3rd of January 1998. It was about midnight, and Diu Dan Kuang, Van's husband, was worried about his job again. Van, the business is difficult. Kuang was rambling on. Van responded with a sigh. <sighs> Don't you worry about it. Din Van Kam specially brought me in. I doubt they would let you leave. When morning broke, Van was awakened by a worried Kwang, who said, 
I talked to his mother. I think she intends for me to quit. It was a sunny afternoon on the 3rd of January 1998 when Van brought a glass of lemonade to Din Van Kam's mother. It's hot, isn't it? Let's take a sip. Din Van Kam's mother took a gulp. Back at the hospital, Kwang was pacing up and down. Just moments ago she was fine, and now she was in the emergency room. It didn't make any sense to him. Dear, everything will be all right. Van assured her husband lovingly. Hours later, late into the night, the doctors brought the couple aside and broke the news that Din Van Kam's mother was dead. On the 3rd of January 1998, Van committed her first murder without leaving a trace and as an added bonus, stole 900,000 Vietnamese dong from his mother. A little under fifty dollars. Over the next year, Van, who was emboldened by her untraceable murder, began to kill over very minor grudges and for money. On the second of June, nineteen ninety-eight, she murdered a guard from Thien Phu Company and stole another nine hundred thousand Vietnamese dong. Even family members and relatives were not spared. On July nineteen ninety-eight, she murdered her husband's mother, Mrs. Hin Van Din. And stole 2.8 million Vietnamese dong, an equivalent of 120 US dollars. Six months later, Van killed her husband's brother-in-law, Le Van Cam. All three victims had the same symptoms: headaches, convulsions, and sudden death. Years later, Quang would confess that he had suspected his wife of her crimes, but because he had to depend on Van for money, he perjured himself in court and lied that his mother. Had likely died from old age. By the middle of 1999, Van had killed four victims, but it was the fifth that cemented her modus operandi. Hey, Hainas fans! Thank you for supporting Hainas so far. But did you know that only one percent of our listeners have rated Hainas? To help support the channel, do provide us with a five-star review on Spotify, and don't forget to hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. Mrs. Ho Mong Dao was waiting eagerly at home. She had just gotten a job with a prestigious doctor who had returned home after training in Germany. From Dao's perspective, she struck gold, as the doctor wasn't just well trained, but she also had friends who were officials at the Department of Health in Ho Chi Minh City, or at least that's what Le Tan Van, the doctor, told her. Whatever the case. The doctor was coming by to ferry her to a medical examination before she could start her job. The doorbell rang. Dao and Van headed down to a scooter into the bustling streets of Vietnam. Are you okay to stop by? I haven't had lunch yet. Van asked. The two made a pit stop along the food street as Van ordered up a meal. Five minutes later. Van came over with a tray and slid a bowl over to Dao. My treat. Enjoy the soup. Dao took a mouthful. Back at the Department of Health, Dao began staggering before vomiting. 
her face turning pale and her limbs cold. Van immediately sprung into action and asked the staff where their nearest hospital was. Head to Nguyen Tri Hospital, someone shouted. Van borrowed a car, but she didn't go to the nearest hospital. Instead, she headed to an eye hospital in Ho Chi Minh. She would register under the pseudonym Nguyen Thi Lan, a friend of Dao, and waited beside her until she recovered. She then applied another lethal dose of cyanide to finish the job. That day, she also forged two papers. A paper requesting for 500 US dollars from Dao's family, claiming that she was owed money, and a hospital bill of 500,000 Vietnamese dong to Dao's family. With her fifth victim, Van seemed to have developed her MO. She would dose her victims' food or drinks with cyanide before bringing them to the hospital. By doing so, she would be perceived as trying to help her victims when she was actually there to finish the job. After that, she forged documents to obtain more money from the deceased and their families. Across all her murders, the victims' families gave varying amounts of money depending on the quality of documents forged. For Dao, her family was swindled of 500,000 Vietnamese dong for the bogus hospital bill. In court, Mr. Nguyen Dung, who was the veteran judge presiding over the trial, commented that Van's MO was barbaric and cruel to the end. By utilizing her gentle and beautiful appearance, she successfully manipulated them before welding the scythe of death onto them. Mr. Nguyen Dung also commented that of all the 13 people she killed, the sixth murder was the most vile he had ever heard of. In Buddhism, it is believed that souls go through a cycle of rebirth into different bodies. Whether you're born into a good circumstance depends on how you had conducted yourself in your previous life. This belief motivates the devout to work towards good, which is why it was a surprise when Van, the cyanide witch of Vietnam, invited Vo Hu Kiem to the temple for worship. Kiem was the director of Nu Quan Company, who had assisted Van when she needed help in repairing her mother's house before. The pair headed to a Tibetan temple located in Thu Dao Mot town, Binh Duong province. On their way, they stopped by a restaurant for lunch. What's that? Van asked. It's my medicine, Kiem replied smiling. She knew that it wasn't. It was wine. Kiem, you are ridiculous. You should head to the toilet to freshen up. When he returned, he noticed Van was holding a cup of his wine. One last cup? Before we go? She asked. Kiem took a big gulp. The temple doors opened and Van reached out for the joysticks. She held the tips onto the fire before swinging the sticks to allow a natural smoky burn. Incense in Southeast Asia often has red colouring on the handles, which is why her hands were stained red. She faced the statue of Guan Ying, the goddess of mercy, and prayed. Help! Someone fainted outside! A monk shouted. Van placed the joysticks onto the urn before rushing outside. She wept beside Kim's body, 
begging for him to wake up when she had already known that he was long gone. To veteran judge Nguyen Dung, the sixth murder revealed that no place or person is safe from Van, neither a temple in the presence of monks nor a kind soul who helped her family out. On the 14th of April 2000, Van claimed her seventh victim, Mr. Nguyen Tan Son, whom she cooked vermicelli for. And by June 2000, Van met Tran Thi Sin and Nguyen Van Dong, her eighth and ninth victim in Bin Duong. It was then that Van's luck would run out. The murder of Sin and Dong began with a phone call to the Bin Duong Provincial Police Department that sparked a three-year chase to burn the witch on a stick. In the next episode, we'll discover why the murders of Sin and Dong were pivotal, introduce Van's many unfortunate victims, and how the authorities would eventually track down the untraceable cyanide witch of Vietnam. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced, and written by Yo Guang Jin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from Media Corp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. <laughs>